It's funny, isn't it, that the National Citizen Service Trust sounds like a government body, a, a government organisation, a, a government thing to sort of make young people do stuff that it wants to. But the NCS, well, that sounds like a organisation that helps young people, that gets them to do things that are really cool. And the NCS is where this week's guests works. Adam Boiter is a marketeer. He's worked at PlayStation. He talks about his work for the Absolute Vodka brand for Pernod Ricard. He has basically sat at the middle of an organisation in the NCS and an agency network that have rebranded the NCS to make them, certainly from the outside, appear more culturally relevant. And the NCS is thriving. In this chat, we talk about Adam's background. We talk about the NCS, the way that Adam's masterminded his agency relationships, the way that the creative around the No We Can campaign has led the NCS to newfound success. And then we dig down a bit and we ask Adam Boiter from the NCS for his rocket fuel. So, Adam Boiter, first thing to say is thank you so much for being this week's guest on Rocket Fuel. Um, Adam, I know you as the marketing director of the National Citizen Service Trust, but you have got a life before us, if you like. Um, tell us t- tell us a potted history of your, your professional journey. How have you ended up where you are now? Uh, I guess it started, if I can go back to like when I was like 15, and yeah. quite, it's quite sad. I remember watching a program about advertising and seeing an account manager from, I think it was either Leah Burnett's or uh, Jay Walter Thompson on the set of a, their latest advert for a car. I think it might have been Toyota. And I thought that, that looked like a really, really good, fun job to do. Um, and so from that point on, I um, badged my dad to help me to try and find work experience in ad agencies. So um, we just used to, as in the days, no email. So it was either phoning or writing off letters and uh, faxes and uh, managed to get just work experience in various different ad agencies. Went to Abbott Mead Vickers um, two summers in a row, J. Walter Thompson and a couple of the others, uh, just like two weeks at a time, just to kind of get a feel for the ad agency world. Uh, and then, then that led me to want to kind of study advertising and marketing at Bournemouth University. Um, and as part of my placement in my second year, um, one of the grads in the year above us was working in New York for grey advertising and said that they wanted some more um, internships for that summer. So a friend of mine, John Tapper, who's now um, one of the partners at Ogilvy over at Sea Containers House, we went over to New York um, for I think it was six to eight weeks to do wow. an internship there. Uh, for grey advertising, uh, I kind of worked in their kind of design and branding part called G2, uh, which is a lot of fun. And as you can imagine, you know, two 21-year-olds in New York doing better work experience, uh, getting paid for it. And uh, I think we lived in a place called Murray Hill, 39th and 3rd. Right. Um, we're very, very lucky in terms of getting um, accommodation for that, for that time over the Have summer. Have you revisited that accommodation? Do you, yes. When you've re- been back to New York City, do you go there to, and sort of look wistfully? Reminisce. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We've been, I've been back like two or three times and uh, every time there's either been something uh, something built or, but it still, still kind of exists above, yeah. above a, a small uh, small corner shop. So it's always quite fun to revisit that place. Um, and then when I graduated, uh, I actually wanted to be like an art director. So I went, uh, I worked for DNAD for a bit and had an art director and copywriter partnership. And we went on their kind of like internship program where you get a brief from a creative director every um, 
every week and then you and your partner sit down and come up with a creative uh, response and then they get critiqued every week uh, and then the winners would get a placement at one of the ad agencies sadly me and my partner didn't get that but um obviously still gave me a thirst for working in the advertising world and as i was doing that i was temping at sony playstation in their pr department literally just doing press cuttings and putting them together right started to get to know everyone then worked in the post office for like t- <laughs> two or three months and then the junior product manager role came up uh, and because I knew everyone, they said I should go for it, given my background in marketing. And also I was a huge gamer when I was younger in terms of like Nintendo and Sega. So I kind of knew huge amounts of, of the kind of industry anyway already. Uh, and yeah, combined my love of marketing and love of uh, video games and got my junior product manager role at EMEA and PlayStation. And despite those formative years, sorry if this is a bit in, but I rather no. sense our audience is. Despite those formative educational years on the agency side you've been a brand man exclusively since playstation or yeah you've... yeah absolutely and yeah. what you've never Client had side. the desire to go agency <clears throat> side i've definitely uh definitely interviewed in in between roles um for for agency for agencies um but i guess the one thing i guess back then agencies looked at quite a specific part of your marketing mix so it may just be the tv advertising or press or print at the time um, and then a separate agency would look after digital, a separate agency would look after experiential. There's no real sense of that at that time that was integrated communication. So the one thing I really liked being a client was the fact that um, I was in control of all of those levers. And then you would have to obviously work with um, a group of agencies to make that kind of happen. Um, but nevertheless, you saw the whole picture, whereas the agency side at that time, I felt, um, was quite um, focused in, in one area. And so that just gave me that more holistic view. Yeah. I'm with you there. Okay. Let's let's bring it right up to date then. So you went from PlayStation to Pernod Ricard. Yep. And then from there you ended up at NCS. Yes. You're at NCS now. What what does your role involve? What's the is there a typical day? What's the what's the scope of what you get up to? Um I think the our kind of overall vision on a daily basis to is to create a country of connected, confident and caring citizens where everyone feels at home. Um, we all often think about the Olympics as a time when um, we all felt, you know, really connected. And so I, that's what we try and do as a company, have that kind of wider societal aim. Uh, but on a day to day basis, it's ensuring that um, we give as many 16 to 17 year olds the opportunity to come on our summer program. Um, we have our other programs um, in autumn and, and a very small amount of people going on a spring program. But the majority, say 90 percent, go over um, the course of three or four weeks over the summer. So we take on average 80 to 100,000 uh, young people through the program every year. Wow. Over 600,000 have gone through it so far. Um, they've donated tw- 12 million hours of social action to their local communities and social action projects. Um, and it's been going about 10 years. Okay. Let's stay focused on you for the first section of our little chat. First question, have you a mentor or have you ever been mentored? Uh, I I don't wouldn't say I've been officially mentored. Yeah. Uh, and it's always I've always been told it's a bad idea to have your boss be your mentor whilst they're your boss. However, since um, having left PlayStation and since having left Perno, there are definite people who I've met there who I would consider my mentors and I would meet up for you know coffee or a glass of wine or whatever it is um, to kind of chew the fat and just see where their career's at, see, see what they think, where I should potentially be headed or just ask kind of any questions that I need. Okay. Um, so, like Mark Hardy at PlayStation was a was a big influence on me. Alan Duncan, who was also at PlayStation, um, and then uh, at Perno, um, Patrick Vanning, who was our marketing director there, um, great guy. So, yeah. Okay. And how do you like to be managed, and how do you manage other people? Yeah, I think I think uh, I think 
how you like to be managed is also how you probably manage others. I think the kind of two go hand in hand. Personally, uh, I'm always a big fan of giving people as much autonomy as they can handle, giving them that responsibility, um, giving them ownership of projects, um, or um, if they're you know slightly more um, inexperienced and at more junior levels, certainly a good chunk of a particular project. So again, they can still own that particular section and feel um, quite rightly that they own that and that they contribute in a, in a way rather than just kind of administrative tasks. How big's the marketing team at NCS? So the team's around 34 people. Um, And is there a commonality of behaviours or traits amongst everybody? Is there kind of one thing that you look for? Or... Or do you like a mix? How's how's it work best? (laughs) I I wouldn't necessarily um, answer that in terms of skill sets, but I would answer it in terms of a passion to help the young people of... um, of, of today, of 16, 70 year olds, to, to kind of achieve their dreams, give them the tools that um, they might be lacking or need to improve upon, um, give them a voice within society. I think everyone shares that same passion when you get out of bed in the morning. Um, you're, you're helping the betterment of um, people's lives. And generally, having worked in the games industry, which I love, and as well as the, the alcohol industry, which again, I've had some amazing times there. It, when, when you look at kind of growth numbers on a chart, it's nice to look at growth numbers from a a human being perspective that more people are uh, having the opportunity to potentially improve their their lives and the impact that the program can have on them in terms of their confidence, their well-being, um, social mobility, social cohesion, um, yeah, and social action, obviously, in your local community. Yeah. So is this is this a higher purpose, a higher calling then? Whereas whereas PlayStation was fun, alcohol was fun. Is is this better? <laughs> um, I would say it it, it also. Depend, everything's like relevant in its own context and at the time you did things. So at the time for me in my life stage as a marketeer, working at PlayStation, um, massively into games, working for, you know, arguably the, the best platform at the time and, and probably now um, was hugely exciting working in the entertainment industry. Uh, and then similarly within the alcohol industry, you know, my my family have always been into cocktails and mixology. So for me, it felt like a natural um, leap into that world, really enjoying that kind of scene. Um, and, you know, you, you you learn a lot of life skills along the way. You know, you can learn to mix cocktails, you learn how the gaming industry works. So I think for the for, for me in the time it was in my life, it was, it was perfect. Um, but it was a couple of projects that I led on Absolute Vodka towards the end of my tenure at, um, at Perno, most notably working on the uh, the limited edition bottle for the LGBTQ plus community, um, which is a bottle that we we release um, yearly now, um, uh, and and that that led us to kind of campaigning uh, for countries where it's still illegal to be um, gay, um, and using the kind of power of a campaign to do that started me thinking around you know um, ethics and also thinking about, like you said, that kind of higher purpose or something that makes you feel good when you get up in the morning. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was seven years at PlayStation, seven years at Pono. I'd kind of worked on all the brands in the portfolio Mm. that I'd wanted to do. Um, I actually had a, you know, had a, I have a wife and I have a a young child and actually I didn't want to go into a global role where I might be traveling quite a lot of the time and actually wanted to have a, um, a UK marketing director role where, First of all, um, you're based in the UK, so no travel or travel within the UK, but that's totally fine. Um, and second of all, what it also allowed you to do is, for me personally, was to finally find a brand where you could control the media uh, and the creative. Because all too often, when you're in global roles or if you're in local roles, actually you have to take the you know the US TV ad or yep. you take the European ad, and it's not quite right because another territory wanted some subtitles, and so <laughs> you you end up getting quite a watered down 
version. Whereas here, um, you know, the campaign that, that, that the, the agency team have produced this year is just so integrated and you can just tell that it, it just has that that extra um, integration. In. Are you good at it's are you good at switching off? Are you good at life outside of work? Uh, I'd say, yeah, I'm pretty good at it, actually. Even even with the, you know, obviously having mobile phones, I actually have a work phone and a personal phone. I don't put my work emails on my personal phone. Right, that's clever. Um, so that, that, that instantly helps. Um, I think, you know, it's always a balance, right? You know at the time when you're either getting a campaign out or you're writing a marketing plan or you've got to deliver a presentation for the board or for the senior leadership team, of course, um, you're going to, ensure that that gets done and you're going to you know work a little bit later into the evening mm. or you're going to watch emails uh, overnight but other than that um i'm pretty good at switching off yeah i just just put the phone down on the on the mantelpiece and then then you become dad and husband and you know it's bath and bedtime story time that kind of stuff sure in a professional capacity mm. what are you known for do you think uh i think i'm known for being a real a real creative thinker um and I think that um, all too often, either as a client, you can rely on the agencies too much to come up with creative ideas, um, or you can try and be too creative yourself and almost delegate the ideas to agencies, which definitely doesn't work. Um, so I think what I found working with our particular agency group is we as a marketing team and the kind of leadership team within the marketing team uh, have some some really great ideas and really kind of great jumping off points. Um, but what I've noticed, again, with great agencies is they can take that and then surpass your expectations in terms of what you initially briefed. And that, that, that's always been a really, really nice surprise um, with, the, with the current campaign that Kamarama developed, which is all about um, empowering young people to have a voice uh, on, on issues that matter to them. Uh, and it, it's effectively turning all the no's that, that, that this kind of generation has been told, no, you can't do this, you can't do that, and actually saying, no, we can. So the whole campaign is really from the voice of young people, um, for young people, by them. Um, and it's it's been quite a, an amazing journey in terms of co-creating, um, which we'll probably get onto, we can touch on it now, I guess. Mm. Um, so rather than trying to be down with the kids, actually just, you know, we have access to to, to young people uh, and their thoughts. And uh, so we co-created this campaign from scratch. So initially amongst 12 teens from up and down the country thinking about um, what they think of uh, the kind of their 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 cultural um, awareness, what, what kind of issues matter to them most, and then developing the campaign uh, around that. And then we tested it obviously on, on further people, you know, 250 teens and their parents to kind of test that kind of wider test base. And it's, it's come back super positive and the campaign is doing really, really well. Um, and Kamarama, for listeners that don't know, have got heritage in this space. They were they were behind the army campaign that was that's right. had all sorts of people rolling their eyes at <coughs> it. But it came out, it was the most effective recruitment campaign for the army for the last however many years. Yeah, so, absolutely. So the, they know what works and, and yeah, they're, they're working well for you by the sounds of it. Yeah, um, it obviously wasn't a cookie cutter approach, but, you know, having having um, known that they were, they were they did the army campaign and how successful that was, we thought, well, you know, how, how could that work for a kind of NCS model? And um, you know, the campaign's very different, but mm. nevertheless has some similar tactics in it. So I'm here with Adam Boiter. Uh, second section, and we've kind of touched upon it in the bits in our in our preliminary chat, getting to know Adam. But the second section is more about where we lift up the bonnet of the NCS, find out more about your role and the way that the NCS works to reach its audiences. First question is, 
for the benefit of the listener who perhaps has been living in a cave for the last 10 years, um, what, what is the NCS and why is it still relevant, Adam? Um, yeah, it's absolutely super relevant um, in today's society. I think um, it started 10 years ago um, where 158 um, young people went on a pilot um, uh, program and it was all about improving um, societal or society from three different angles, um, social cohesion, so making sure that people from different backgrounds uh, meet and mix and understand and have empathy for one another, um, social mobility, giving people the tools and the knowledge to in order to improve um, their chances of job success and success later on in life, um, and then social actions and social action within the community, most most importantly, and all of these things interplay um, uh, and uh you know, the, the program is effectively split into kind of three parts. Um, we've rebranded them uh, with the new campaign, No We Can, so that the first one is called Be Epic, and that's all about uh, meeting a team, um, becoming part of a team, going on outward bounds, kind of, whether that be zip lining, canoeing, kind of building that team mentality and what you can do as a team. Uh, the second week's called Live Life, which is all about exactly what it says on the tin, mm -hmm. living life, living in um, kind of student accommodation, university halls, um, because again, in the summer universities sure. need, um, need their accommodation filling. So they get to learn how to budget, how to cook, um, all the kind of things that you might not necessarily learn from school. Oh, yeah. Or learn in, in a kind of household environment, potentially. Uh, and then the final week um, or weeks, depending on if it's a three or four or four week journey, uh, they start to plan a social action project within their local community. That could be anything from a simple litter pick, a kind of sponsored walk or something um, a little bit more um, innovative. So um, I guess one of the most famous examples was um, a team down in Plymouth, I think it was, who decided um, how, how best could you label um, or how best could you improve how people can donate food to food banks, given the kind of state of food poverty? Um, and they just devised a really simple labelling mechanic for their local Sainsbury's that said, um, I I'm perfect for picking for food banks. So rather than th expecting people to drop it off at the end of their shop, they could pick it up whilst they're doing their shop. Right. Um, and that was so successful that Sainsbury's has rolled out to their whole estate and, and other supermarkets are thinking of following suit. So wow. those kind of simple ideas can actually have such a, a, an impact on society. And, and again, it's just the power of, of young people, um, you know, thinking of great ideas and then making them happen. I completely buy the logic that the NCS has a place in today's society. Let me be slightly facetious if that's all right for a second, because enriching the lives of this age group is, I, I definitely believe in the need for it to be done. But silly question, do you, do you hate the scouts and the guides? I mean, there were other people doing something similar before, but mm. this is it on a different level. You can, how's it work in combination with the other activities for this audience? Yeah, not at all. In, in fact, actually, the kind of, Third, other third sector bodies, as we're all known, um, actually all, all work work together. Uh, and actually, we actually collaborate with the scouts. Um, we're thinking of other collaborations. Um, also, NCS counts towards the DAV Silver Award, for example, right. or, or certain parts of it. So there's definite crossovers there. Um, and again, we all have a similar purpose. We're just taking it from a different angle. Um, yeah. Okay. So... I'm guessing as part of your induction to the organisation, you've you've been on a course, you've seen the, the people that have been through that journey. I know it seems silly, but what are the what are the results that you can see in the people on those courses, the teenagers on the course? 
do you see them change during the three or four weeks? Is it is it noticeable? What what happens as a result? Yeah, yeah, you, you definitely see um, an amazing transformation. Um, you know, like any good brand, we have a segmentation. So we have kind of like five key archetypes. We have um, the sociable seekers and confident connectors are people that would probably do NCS and probably do other programs um, as well. Um, but then you have your kind of worry warriors, your fleeting FOMOs and your hesitant homebodies who probably need to just come out of their comfort zone a little bit. Uh, and I think that's that's what NCS allows you to do is incrementally push your boundaries, push yourself to to kind of surprise yourself in terms of um, how far you can realize what you thought you could never do, really. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the number one thing, if you kind of like have a word cloud is, is confidence that comes out um, hu- hugely. Um, making new friends. Um, typically, people want to go on the program with their friends, which is fine, but typically end up um, making friendships for life from NCS as well. Um, and again, that's just ex- extend- extending your boundaries, thinking, well, I've got, you know, I've got my school friends, I don't need any more friends, but actually you, you discover that um, people from different backgrounds, people that you didn't think you might be friends with. Um, there's an amazing BBC documentary called Crossing Divides um, with two young girls called Casey and Maz, I think from Rotherham. Um, a very, very divided community because, you know, between white working class and the kind of Muslim community and now they're best friends and it, it took NCS to bring those two communities together. Um, and there are loads more examples like that. And so for that, that from a social cohesion point of view, it's great. The other thing is that the age, uh, the age at which they go on NCS is quite a crucial age because it's the transition from being a teenager into, into an adult. Yeah. Um, we call them, we call them young people, not mm. young adults because t- Technically, you're a young adult when you're 18. But what we try to do, certainly within our communications and the way we treat them is treat them like adults, mm. giving them that responsibility, giving them that autonomy to, to grow and shine. You've rather taken me on to the to the next question, actually, which you're kind of here wearing two hats. You're here representing the NCS, but you're also here as an experienced marketeer. So I'm keen to talk about the part that marketing and communications plays in the wider NCS organization. Sure. Um, so l- let's start with that. The marketing <clears throat> communications when reaching these young people has to be nailed on brilliant because the second they see you as, you know, a government run thing that where you're wagging your finger, telling them what to do, you've, you've lost all credibility. Is that yeah. broadly correct? So has it taken a while to find the right tone? Did you get there quite quickly? How's, how's that developed over the years? I think, I mean, that was one of the reasons why uh, I was brought in from a kind of like youth culture background was to think about how you could leverage youth culture. Um, again, not try to be down with the kids, but actually give them the platform to actually allow the communications to happen. Um, you know, we've we had relatively good prompted um, awareness. Spontaneous awareness was quite low. Brand affinity was relatively okay, but in kind of slight decline over the last few years. Um, and every brand needs a refresh at some point. And um, when we did some research into the initial kind of brand identity, it was quite seen quite rightly, as you point out, as a little bit bureaucratic, a little bit of a kind of like stamp of, of kind of, of government. And um, Whilst there's an absolute role for, um, you know, an arm's length body like like the National Citizen Service, one thing that came through quite clearly in research is that people just referred to us as NCS. Uh, and actually, that's what we really latched onto because National Citizen Service feels like it's like conscription in some ways. Um, <laughs> and so NCS just kind of rolled off the tongue and just feels, um, again, just using the language that the young people that go on the program. So that's why we really branded to rebranded to NCS. Um, 
kind of new lockup. Um, it's kind of like a 3D logo. It's it's jaunty as um, as Adam Keane, the creative director of Karmarama, talks about. But it's super disruptive within um, social and digital. Um, it represents the three stages of program. It represents also stepping up and stepping through your journey. So it has you know for all the marketers out there, it has lots of other things mm. imbued into it. But nevertheless, it's you know really striking black and white logo that feels um, that doesn't feel out of place when you place it against the like of other brands, which our audience would consume. You know like that's a Spotify, Supreme, all those other kind of culturally relevant logos. We're at home there, um, not necessarily, um, you know, standing out like a sore thumb. Yeah. So um, I guess one of the one of the crucial things is that marketing really does all you know, touches all touch points, as we know. And one of the key places for us is, is within the school assembly. So a lot of our recruiters have been previously on NCS. When you talk about telling people what to do, actually, we, we utilize the fact that people have been on the program. Uh, utilize people that um, have very similar backgrounds to the people they're talking to. Um, this isn't just a, a white middle class program. This is for everyone. Um, there's no barriers to entry. Um, you pay maximum of fifty pounds, but um, ultimately, if you're on free school meals or if you're on benefits, then it'll be free because we have a bursary fund. So the barriers to entry, from a cost perspective, um, there are none. I mean, doing forgive me interrupting a cursory amount of research into the NCS that was the thing that I found flabbergasting on the website where they where they say I think it's in the frequently asked questions bit 50 quid is the most you will pay for this three or four it's incredible isn't it yeah. from a from a just a yeah barriers to entry point of view and not everybody pays the 50 quid either no and we we, we call it a contribution because mm. the the government also contribute money towards yep. towards the program as well um so yeah there's there's no barriers to entry um you know we currently reach one in six and um you know there's a potential you know you're never going to reach six and six obviously sure. um but nevertheless you know with with a new brand a new campaign focused on youth culture um, we think we can, you know, double the that inclusion within the next, um, you know, three to five years. And how re-energised has the organisation felt by the new marketing drive, by the rebranding? How was that? Did everybody walk with more swagger? I'm being slightly silly to make <laughs> a point, but but is is there a tangible metric for success on the wider organisation? I, I think when when Kamara presented the, the No We Can manifesto, actually, whilst it's brilliant um, in terms of uh, talking to young people actually is a call to arms internally. It really, really works. Yeah. Um, breaking down silos, making sure people you know collaborate cross departmentally. So, yeah, it's it's definitely have had a kind of energy within um, within the business. Um, we just actually had our kind of office brand refresh the other week. Um, which looks really great. Uh, you know, our meeting rooms now adorned with inspirational young people from around the UK and globally. Um, our manifestos on the wall. Um, yeah, it just feels like a, a refreshed place to work. And um, yeah, I, th- I would say it's definitely created some some energy internally. And part of this is almost a a, a rebrand and a re-energized organization but some of this will be tactical executions right so some of this will be a single piece that you've seen or that's that's been delivered by a media partner or, or by an influencer of those what what are you most proud of what would you highlight in terms of that's a great example of <coughs> the brand being realized by either a third party or an ad or a I think the it's the versatility of the no we can platform because in, instantly you can ask influencers um, or any other partners to kind of interpret that in their own way. 
Um, I think most recently the success that I would um, we're kind of most proud of is probably the Youth Rising content series that uh, Mediacom have helped um, produce for us um, with the help of OmniGov um, and a couple of other agencies, something else. So it's kind of split into um, content series with Channel 4 um, and uh, alongside that we've got kind of shoot-offs or spin-offs or special editions if you want with um, PAQ, which is part of Cairo TV, mm. um, and uh, Guap. Uh, which is um, a, a kind of niche but um, very um, relevant um, cultural online brand. Uh, and then the other side of things, we have a podcast, which um, we're going to be launching this Friday. It's called Youth Rising by NCS. It's available on Spotify, Acast, and Apple Apple podcast platforms. Um, and that, for me, represents the kind of pinnacle of kind of know we can. We effectively handed over control to young people. So we've got 24 young people aged from 16 to 19, some who have been on NCS, some who haven't. They're something else have effectively provided the structure and the very, very broad um, subject matters that, that we know young people care about today. Um, so you've got like sound engineers, you've got editors, you've got researchers, you've got two hosts, um, and they rotate on a on kind, of, on kind of like a weekly basis. So where they're split into groups <clears throat> and each group is performing or, or will produce two episodes each for 16 weeks. So the first one's about meme culture and about mental health. And w one thing that's also surprised me is that just the level of quality and professionalism, um, even for just for like our first episode, uh, kind of blew me away. And second of all, the, the level of um, talent and influences that they've managed to get to be interviewed on the podcast. Yep. Um, so we've got um, a guy from Love Island who suffered from mental health that's coming on. We had an award-winning journalist who's come on um, this month talking about memes. So that they're, they're accessing really, really kind of like high-end um, people, which is Sounds which like is I should listen to that if only to Nick Guest. Really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so one thing I did want to bring about was, as an experienced marketeer, the, and you've already mentioned, I mean, it's crazy me running a youth and content business, having a chat about all of these other agencies, but we're all grown up. We know they exist. Yeah. How do you get the best out of your, your network of agency partners? Um, how, how do you get them all singing from the same hymn sheet, to use that cliche? <clears throat> how do you get them pointing in the same direction? How do you, do you not get them all to come up to you after all agency meetings to slag everybody else off in the uh -huh. room? I've been in some of those in my life. But, <laughs> but yeah, talk to us about the, the management of agencies. Um, I th I, again, a bit, a bit like my management style, I, I like to give agencies a lot of autonomy and I trust the fact is, you know, if we're spending X amount of pounds with you, um, there's a reason for that because you're the experts and there's always a balance, right? Um, but I think it always comes down to a really, really great briefing, making sure that everyone has the information they need, that the objectives are just super clear. Um, I think what also helps is this time around, not always, but um, we, we obviously briefed Karma first. Um, and the kind of creative brand refresh really kind of led the charge. Yep. Um, and because we had a great platform in Know We Can, that then also inspired the other agencies. But one of the things that I, I kind of laid out right from the start was I didn't want to see um, when they presented back as an integrated all agency. So it was um, OmniGov, Mediacom, um, Kindred, who runs our digital and influencer, and, and Karma. I wanted it to be a single deck. I didn't want people to go... This is the this is the karma section. Mm. This is the media section. This is that. Um, they they presented it as an all agency team um, uh, and presented it all at different parts. It really felt seamlessly, um, and I also ensured that they presented it 
in the order of our funnel. So we have like, uh, everyone has a funnel, right? Yeah. You know, awareness, consideration and conversion. Ours is the kind of like f four or five E's, you know, engage, entry, explore, yeah. et cetera. Um, and that's exactly how they presented back. And then when we fed back on the first round, they then made uh, amends and they presented back in exactly the same fashion. Um, and that then also allows us to present back to the business in that fashion. And then everyone starts to get into that kind of mindset about pushing people. And you're working as a team, as a collective, as a single business, as opposed to a number of different stakeholders nicking budget off each other. That sounds exactly. like an incredibly good <clears throat> approach. Is that an approach you've nicked or is that one you've devised or does that happen with, with big agency stuff? I have been involved in one that sounded very similar but not exactly the same. So, um, I think maybe if you ask like previous team members I've worked with, it's always about a big idea and then making sure that it's kind of like, again, terrible phrase but 360 yep um if you've got a great idea then then you can really see how it, how it goes and all those touch points and then agencies will go back to their own respective disciplines make it work but then check in with the other agencies to make sure that it all all looks and feels the same i think a big thing is making sure you give people enough time not not issuing a brief and expecting a response in two weeks we gave the guys four four or five weeks yep to really make sure with kind of check-ins and tissue sessions in between to make sure that everything was kind of ticking along so that when it did come to the kind of big reveal as it were um it worked really really well um mm -hmm. uh, with with this and with the the direction that the ncs is now pointed in what's going to happen next for the for the brand or indeed for the organization what's the future hold uh i think the from from a from a marketing point of view uh, i would say that it's all about brand consistency i think all too often you know, that's why I really enjoyed my stints at PlayStation and Perno, because if you're there for five years plus, you can actually affect change. You know, we doubled the absolute vodka business within five years, but it takes a consistent team to do that. And quite often you find when team members change and come in, quite rightly, people want to prove themselves, come in with their own ideas, and actually it disrupts the flow. So um, I've always believed in, in you know, when, when I swap over, it's all I'm always in it for the long term and making sure that you can actually be there long enough to see that change and, and make the objectives that you started off actually happen. So this for me is, you know, minimum three year to five year vision to make sure that that happens. Great. OK. And you've touched upon influencers. I'm going to ask a silly question to make a point. Do you think brands that are talking to young, youthful audiences that aren't using influencers are doing something wrong? Do you think do you think you have to use influencers to get relevance in this space? How yeah, bring to life your thoughts on influencer marketing. Is it a bubble that's gonna burst? Is it where's your head at? Where's the NCS's head at? I think uh, <clears throat> you know, using influencers the way that people are using influencers now and the way they're collaborating with influencers is completely different to the way that it started and that's because the platforms have evolved and influencers themselves have evolved um i think there's definitely um a time and a place for influencers we do you know in terms of the kind of like hearts and minds we we still run econometrics and we still run brand tracking research as you'd expect alongside our segmentation and you know in, in terms of econometrics, influences is probably like five in terms of the way that it, you know, out top 10 yep. in terms of the ways that it, it influences people from the kind of brand metrics in terms of awareness, infinity, but also in terms of recruitment and conversion. So they have a very, very important role to play. Um, we tend to split them into kind of macro influences and micro influences. Um, you know, we've got Lewis, who's a beauty vlogger yep. in, in, the, in the main ad. Um, and actually it was only the other day when my team were at a, a school in Stratford, I think it's called um, uh, School 21. And uh, one of them was saying, you know, I watched that ad and I saw I saw Lewis in it and actually made me think, actually, it's just for everyone. 
it's not just for a, a certain type of person and, and that was that's the kind of feedback that you know we tried to show all different elements of society through that ad breaking down the stereotypes of young people whether that be kids hanging out on street corners um, or being not being able to get up on stage and present in front of your school we broke down all those barriers uh, using a you know diverse cast of people so I think, yeah, using influencers is definitely key. We also use future influencers as well. Um, so these are people who have probably sub, um, you know, 5,000 followers, but nevertheless are experts in their own area, be that kind of fast fashion, mental health, social justice, equality and diversity. And quite often, um, you know, our social team is so good at picking those alongside our, our, our um, agency, Kirinda, they're so great at picking those people who we know are just on the cusp. And then we follow them through a couple of years later and suddenly they've got, you know, like yep. 50,000 or a million followers. So it works the other way, too, doesn't it? With the, the big influencers, how they've suddenly reached a, reached a time and they've slightly stagnated. So, yeah, it can work both ways. But absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Those up and coming ones. It's exciting, isn't it? Seeing real entrepreneurs do well because that's effectively what they are. Yeah. And and I just I just love working um, with with young young people today. It's amazing. They're just so inspiring. Um, and especially just seeing the content series we put out with Channel 4, the ideas that they have, it inspires you to do better on, on a kind of daily basis yeah. as well. Final question in this bit, if that's all right. It's one around brand safety. Mm-hmm. Um, are there platforms you won't use? What what happens? I'm going to be facetious and don't worry, we've worked with Lewis as well. What happens <clears> if <throat> he goes off the rails and he's in every tabloid newspaper? How do you ensure you're in the right places? Are there some platforms you won't work on? How important is brand safety for you? It's incredibly important. Um, we have a safeguarding team who um, obviously ensure... Uh, the highest level of safety for our young people when they're on program, um, but equally, even for example, approaching um, when we did when we did the podcast series, um, we did screening questionnaires. Um, our safeguarding team talked to the young people to make sure that they were comfortable and they didn't have any anxiety. Uh, and even now, um, we obviously check in with their parents. We check in that every you know everyone is okay. So we, we treat it incredibly importantly. Um, at the moment, uh, we're not on YouTube um, from a from an advertising point of view, um, and the OmniGov team are are looking at um, ensuring that you know platforms like Integral Ad Science, in addition to m- tools like Moat, in addition to Google's own mm. um, uh, checks and balances. So um, it's not just NCS as a whole; it's it's all government accounts as a whole. We take it incredibly seriously. So okay. I did say final question, but I have got one more, if that's all right. Effectively, um, NCS is a government initiative. But this strikes me, and you're talking to a man that in a bygone age worked on the COI, so so I know about working with government. But this feels very, very different. This feels very... This feels very, very entrepreneurial. This feels incredibly creative. Is there a buffer that we don't see where you're constantly elbowing bureaucracy out the way? How how can this how can this government initiative be so creative and so successful? I think um, when I when I cast my my in, in previous career, yeah. um, you know, roles when you've either been working at PlayStation or a Perno. You have the same dynamic between local markets and your global team or global HQ. Um, And the dynamics is exactly the same with DCMS, who we report into as an arm's length body. Um, We've just built up really good relationships with um, both the policy team and the team that looks after the marketing. 
Um, we we have a you know a weekly meeting with them where we share all the initiatives yeah. that we're doing. Wow. Um, they really love the rebrand. Um, you always know you're onto a winner when literally anyone apparently that would come into DCMS they would show the no we can add to them saying look what NCS have done. So I think the rebrand helped to create some real energy and excitement for for NCS um, within that governmental department. Uh, and you know we're, we're grown ups. It just comes down to trust and making sure um, that we are seen to be putting out really, really great content that engages our audience, um, that ensures that we recruit um, as many people um, to experience the opportunity of the NCS program um, over the summer. So I'm still here with Adam Boiter from the NCS and the final section of our chat is what we loosely term rocket fuel. So some actionable insights, some takeaways that our audience of people broadly in the media marketing youth (coughs) culture space can use to power their, their day jobs, their daily lives. Let's start with this one. Big question. Adam, what do you know about youth audiences, young people? Um, I would say, um, it was, as we always say, they have a, they have a really easy and a high bullshitometer. Um, they call you out very, very quickly. Um, I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is to, and you wrestle with, is, you know, as a marketeer with a huge amount of experience of working in marketing, um, but equally trying to make sure that you empower young people, give them that structure that you've had that experience, but also, and therefore just give it over to them to kind of really show their opinions and really, really shape what you're, what you're doing. And I found that that balance quite, quite difficult to get. But one of the things I think that is, has been successful in that space, and it's kind of like, I guess, a key learning has been, like I said, give it, particularly with the podcast that we, that we've done is giving them enough of a structure, um, but then giving them the control and giving them the reins. Um, I think I think that that can apply to to anything really. So brands have fought for years to be enablers. You're you're it's starting to happen, and NCS is an example of that. Yeah, I would say rather than an enabler, I'd say a facilitator. You really you really sit um, right in the middle. Nice distinction. Um, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, you know there are definitely current ground rules and. Um, uh, what would I say? Kind of these are the boundaries that you can push. Yep. Um, these are the ones that you, you can't touch. Um, but other than that, um, you know, I think they, they've really surprised us in terms of the um, the subject matter. Like I said, the the, the 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 level and stature of people they've managed to get on the podcast so so far. So, yeah, I think for me, it's just providing that structure and, and that that platform effectively yep. to have a voice on 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 issues that matter to them most. With young people. We're, we're, we live in an age of brand purpose and as marketers we're, we're encouraged to think in those terms and I think that's quite right. <clears throat> what do you think is important to young audiences and also what do you think's changed about the way young audiences behave? I think just touching on brand purpose, I think a lot of people commonly mistake brand purpose meaning you have to be like super ethical, super sustainable which is obviously very important and every brand should be underpinned by that but I think Brand purpose is also just a strong sense of self. Yep. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to mean, like you say, um, the higher purpose yep. each time. And I think a strong, a strong sense of DNA and a strong sense of purpose and confidence. Yep. Um, you know, the likes of Supreme, for example, they're a very, very confident brand, very confident identity. Um, 
you know they're probably manufactured ethically and sustainably but their but their main purpose is being incredibly in tune with youth culture same with palace all those kind of other big brands that are out there you're talking to a man that's worked on perfetti right so again selling sweets effectively but even so you could not see a brand that was more confident in the way that it sold its chupa chups or yes, whatever it was yes, doing exactly it, it knows exactly what it's doing whatever you think about that it knows it's yeah the the confidence thing i think you're so right to point out mm. And and I think um, then touching on youth audiences, mm. they, they they will see that if you're a confident brand, confident in your message, and confident in your skin, that then translates into the way that people perceive you. Um, the second point was around how audiences have changed. Um, how do you think they've changed, if at all? And what do you <coughs> think will be the next big change? Mm. Um, we were just we were just wrestling with this the other day in terms of just the proliferation of platforms. Um, so we were we were chatting to TikTok the other day and thinking about you know where, how do we look at that platform? Um, but there's only so many hours in the day that our social media team have, and so it's a if you if you are going to adopt a particular platform, we want to do it properly yep. and not just dip our toe in. Obviously, not te- chuck them the same video as what's on Instagram and Snapchat exactly. in a slightly different frame. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and that was actually one of the things from the outset in terms of the way that we we brief the agencies. We want <coughs> bespoke content per channel. Um, it can be the same type of content, but it can be edited in a way that fits that platform, not, sure. not just literally changing it from 16.9 to yep. 9.16. So, um, yeah, we're definitely um, very, very conscious about that. Um, in terms of what's changed, uh, I just think the ability, just <clears throat> greater interactivity. Um, and there's only, I think, the finite amount of time, I would say, that you can... Everyone's got the same amount of hours, right? It's how do yep. you fill it? So just while we're talking, dis- dispel a myth or agree if you'd like. Do you think attention spans have got shorter or do you think that's a common misconception about young people? Well, if that was the case, then we wouldn't have just produced seven-minute documentaries. That was what I was kind of <laughs> hinting towards. And, yeah, the podcast series as well. So mm. so share of eyes going down, share of ears going up, or mm. or actually this whole thing about a, a lack of attention is nonsense. It's more about you have to engage this audience in the right way. What's it's... I think scientifically there have been reports, you know, reading Balance magazine or the Free magazine, that attention span has, has dwindled or it has decreased over the years. But in, in, another interesting stat was that people's walking pace has increased over the last 30 years. Wow, that is fascinating. So whoever's, whoever's monitoring that, I don't know. But um, in terms of attention span, yeah, <clears throat> it may have dwindled, but therefore if you've got, therefore, it actually means that you've got to up your game in terms of yep. is that content engaging and can you then make people switched on for seven minutes because it's relevant to the audience that's got right insight. Um, and, you know, as the kind of documentaries have shown, they, they are made by young people for young people. So put them in front of the camera they're the people that they want to hear from they don't want to hear from someone like me sure who gets it right which brands which organizations and who gets it wrong um i think the two people i've mentioned before i think that for me i've always been about being super culturally relevant um and that doesn't happen very often um and being able to create almost like a cult-like existence so i would point to the likes of like i said palace and supreme i think they they are amazing in in the way that they've captured that still retaining that kind of like niche appeal even though they're probably pumping out you know thousands and thousands of um of products um it's almost a similar kind of strategy to the way the luxury industry operate creates something that feels intangible but nevertheless they're selling you know um, a fair amount of units of of, um, of product so i think they, they get it really really right um 
I'm not going to pick out a specific brand. I, I think it's done it badly. It but I think where where brands get it wrong, it almost goes down to the purpose route. Um, they try and be something that they're not. Um, we don't. We don't. Again, we don't try and be down with the kids. We don't try and talk in their language. We have a certain set of emojis that we'll use, and we'll have certain set phrases and the ways that we might um, talk to people on a positive, or if um, if we're um, answering a kind of challenging comment for example um, but I think if you have a strong sense of purpose that then flows into your copy it flows into your tone of voice and I think that's when then when you become relevant as soon as you kind of lose that or if you've been a small brand and you've expanded quite quickly you can sometimes lose a, a sense of self quite quickly as well and then you find a lot of brands going back to their roots and kind of re yeah. refreshing that to, to kind of um, recapture what made them successful to start off with. Have you seen the Lego documentary about how they refined their selves? Because um, it's it's fascinating about how Lego diversified with so many new products, so many yes. new launches. Yeah. And yeah, they went back, to, if you'll, to the building blocks, if you'll forgive that awful pun. But yeah, but yeah and as a result, they found themselves and are once again prospering. So yeah. Yeah, I did, I did a talk before I joined NCS, but to the NCS guys before I actually joined them formally as a team. And it was all about culture shift. Yeah. And the Lego example was, was in there. Like you said, they proliferated their whole expansion. And I think it wasn't until they did the kind of Traveler's Tales tie up with the yeah. video games that actually that then gave them their purpose. And then obviously now having um, done a deal to create, I don't know, a percentage of their or higher percentage of their blocks from like, is it corn syrup or yeah. you know, some kind of like sugar cane? Yeah. So it's completely biodegradable or being able to hire Lego or those kind of initiatives. So I think, yeah, I think they're onto, onto something good. Final thing, Adam, one takeaway for everybody listening. We think our audience is made up of people that are in youth marketing, youth culture, media, tech, places like that. Um, what would be the one takeaway from our conversation or indeed a wider conversation that you, you think they should be left with? Don't try and be down with the kids, work with them. I thought you might say that. <laughs> Adam, uh, where can people find you if indeed you want them to find you? And where can people find out more about uh, the NCS? Uh, so you can go to wearencs.com um, where you can find out more about the programme. Uh, in terms of me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Adam Porter. Yeah. Nice one. Adam, thank you so much for doing this. Pleasure, James. Thank you very much. So that was this week's guest. Adam Boiter from the NCS. He spoke, I thought, really eloquently around the creative idea, around managing the agency networks, but also around that last point that he touched on about don't speak down or don't try and be too down with the kids. And even having confidence in your brand proposition, that will be a lasting point with me. If you think that a marketeer or indeed anybody else in your life could benefit from listening to this week's Rocket Fuel, do us a favour, send them a link to this. Maybe give us a five-star rating or review on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you download this podcast. And, perhaps most importantly, subscribe and tune in to next week's Rocket Fuel. This is a Rocket Audio production.